to another episode of A Story Worth Telling, the podcast where we share some of the greatest stories you've never heard and some of the ones you have and what they have to tell us about life, love, God, and everything in between. If you're keeping count, this brings us to episode number seven. I'm calling this one the one about missing the boat. And it's pretty well known that the number seven is a lot of times associated with luck. And so in my research on this episode, I wanted to center in on a story that maybe kind of addressed the idea of luck or even fate. And I don't think there's a better example of that than the story of the Titanic. It's one of the most famous maritime disasters of all time. Literally everyone's heard about it. We know that on April of 1912 that what we estimate to be about 1,517 people tragically lost their lives in the sinking of the ship. They were carrying a crew of probably around 2,224 passengers. And just about everybody knows about the ship, about the people who went down with it, but some of the most interesting stories, I think, are actually the ones about the ones who missed the boat. I mean, at the time, this was actually kind of a, a rampant idea with people in the days following disaster coming out of the woodworks to claim that they had been in what they began to call the Just Missed It Club. Within just days of the disaster on April 12th, around 6,904 people had already claimed that they were on the Just Mystic Club. They had had the opportunity, they had had tickets, they had had the ability to sell, and that for whatever reason, they had missed their shot. Now, the problem with that is that the entire capacity of the ship was about 3,300 people with crew. By April 26th, just about 12, 14 days later, over 118,000 people were claiming to have been a member of the Just Missed It Club. That because fate or God intervened, that their lives had been saved by not sailing on the cursed ship. And far and away, most of these accounts were unfounded, but there were a lot of actual passengers that, for various reasons, missed the boat. One of the first ones I came across in my research was a man named Alfred Vanderbilt. He and his family, the Vanderbilt family, were the creators and heirs of the Vanderbilt fortune. And they had been on a holiday there in Europe. And on April 9th, just about three days before the uh, ship was set to set sail, they actually changed their minds about taking the uh, voyage his reasoning was that he had heard that so many things could go wrong with a maiden voyage. And so Alfred elected to stay behind. In a sad twist of fate, his family actually sent a servant on ahead with their luggage. And the servant, of course, did not survive. He was a second-class passenger. Three years later, in kind of an ironic twist of fate... 
Alfred was actually sailing on the Lusitania when it was torpedoed by a German U-boat, another kind of famous maritime disaster. Several witnesses have gone on record as saying that they saw him in his last moments giving his life vest to a child and helping the mother to tie it around the child. And sadly, three years after the sinking of the Titanic, Alfred did not survive the sinking of the Lusitania. Another notable passenger that almost took passage on the Titanic was a man named Edgar Selwyn, who later created the studios that we now know as MGM Pictures. One of the richer passengers was J.P. Morgan of J.P. Morgan, Chase Bank, all of those industries. He had been on a vacation and was enjoying some of the countryside air, uh, some sulfur treatments and things to treat his lungs, and decided at the last minute to extend his vacation. In fact, his fortune allowed him to actually purchase the White Star Company, who were the designers and manufacturers of the Titanic. And so he essentially owned the Titanic, and because of this, had been given a special suite with private bath quarters, a bathtub that had cigar holders, I mean, just loaded out, and at the last minute decided to not take advantage of his private suite. And so as a result, Bruce Ismay, the ship's designer, decided to occupy that suite and famously abandoned the ship, getting into a lifeboat, according to stories with the screaming of women and children behind him. A decision that would haunt him for the rest of his life. Another famous passenger um, that almost sold, ended up on the Titanic was Milton Hershey of Hershey's Chocolate. He and his family also were on vacation. In fact, the Hershey company has in its archives a $300 check paid from the company as a 10% deposit on his first class room. But because of an unexpected business meeting, he was actually forced to leave three days early on a ship known as the America and departed England three days earlier. In fact, it was actually the America that went on record and became famous for sending some of the iceberg warnings ahead to the Titanic. And these stories range with all levels of just craziness and fate and circumstances, but definitely far and away one of the stranger stories that I heard was the story of Thomas Hart, who was actually signed up to be a fireman, one of the deck uh, crew hands for the Titanic. And according to Mr. Hart, he had been in a bar and overindulged had a little bit too much to drink, and in the chaos, his discharge papers and his ticket to the Titanic were stolen. The incredible thing is that the manifest actually shows a Thomas Hart having boarded and checked in, and to this day, nobody knows who the imposter was. He was not recorded among the survivors, and so Mr. Hart's mother back in America, had been informed that her son was one of the 
non-surviving members and passengers of the fateful accident. And so you can imagine her surprise when on May 8th, just about a month later, Thomas walked through her door. His explanation was that after he had lost his discharge papers, he was simply too embarrassed to come home, but eventually decided to. And the newspapers jumped all over this story as the man who was thought dead but was found alive. But definitely, far and away, the saddest story that I came across was the story of Officer David Blair. You see, David had actually been signed up as the second officer for the voyage. He had been with the ship to prepare it for its main voyage. He had spent two weeks helping to drill and prepare the crew for its voyage as it was being assembled in Belfast. And at the very last minute one of the Titanic's sister ships, the Olympic, was delayed and put up in harbor. And so the White Star Company decided to go with Chief Officer Henry Wilde, who was the chief officer on the Olympic, instead because of his experience with the size and class of ships that the Titanic was. And so because of this, they made him the new first officer, and that bumped everyone else down. And meant that David Blair was no longer assigned to the Titanic. He actually wrote in a postcard to his sister that he was disappointed that he wasn't going to get to sail on the maiden voyage of such a magnificent ship. In all of the chaos and because of the quick turnaround, he actually left the ship with a key that went to the case that held the binoculars inside of the crow's nest. And this became kind of an indictment on David Blair and his family that one of the reasons, of course, that people surmised that they didn't spot the iceberg in time was that the crow's nest infamously did not have access to the binoculars that were locked in the case. And David Blair actually had that key in his pocket at the time. And didn't realize it until it was too late. And so that kind of followed him and his family kind of painted a scarlet letter on them for the rest of their days that he had become the man who had famously sunk the Titanic. The commission that was put together to investigate the sinking determined that that alone certainly did not cause the sinking. And there were many other reasons that contributed, but it was kind of a shame on his family that followed him till the end of his days. And as I thought about all of these stories, I thought about this old Garth Brooks song. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called Unanswered Prayers. And it talks about how sometimes the greatest gifts from God are unanswered prayers. You know, I've got to imagine that Every single one of these passengers couldn't have been more excited to sail on really a a ship that was thought to be unsinkable, an incredible feat of technology, the nicest ocean liner of its day, that they 100% had to be disappointed that maybe they felt like they had given up a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity 
And then I've got to imagine that as the news began to come out of the sinking and the disaster, that they started thanking God for some unanswered prayers, thanking God that for whatever reason, for whatever circumstance, that each of them who had had the opportunity to be on the ship but hadn't because life intervened, and because of some strange circumstance, some inconvenience at the time that their actual lives had been saved. And I think about how many times that I begged God for something, just sure that it was his will, just sure that it was the only way that a problem could be solved, that a prayer could be answered. Certain that it was going to be the thing that I wanted, the thing that I needed. Man, I've been wrong a lot. And I thank God for unanswered prayers, for some of the things that I begged him for that he didn't ignore me on, but he simply didn't answer. And so I hope that's an encouragement to you that many times when we pray about something and we don't see God move immediately, that sometimes it's you know an issue of, of learning to be patient, learning to wait, but sometimes the kindest thing that God can do is tell us no, because he's got something so much better in store for us. And it's those kind of things that we don't see until many years down the road sometimes, but when we do see them, when you see them in your own life, I hope that you'll remember to thank God for unanswered prayers. And I also hope that you remember that today's a story, so make sure it's a story.